0: Framing Human Rights, ECCHR's podcast about art and the law. In our conversations, we discuss how to combine artistic and legal interventions to give more power to social movements. We also speak about the power the arts can have in the global fight for justice. The following talk was part of a panel discussion at the Akademie der Künste in Berlin for the opening days of the European Month of Photography in October 2020 in cooperation with ECCHR. Join us in this episode as we hear a talk from Lebanese performance and video artist Rabia Mrouwe about how he treats the impact of violent images in his work. Beginning with his piece, Pixelated Revolution, which uses the moment of a civilian witness capturing violence on their cell phone camera, Mrouwe lays out a complicated web of connections between the witnessing acts of viewer, victim, and perpetrator.
1: Rabia is from Lebanon, but is now living since quite a while in Berlin. He is an artist, film director, author, does performances. And one of the most exciting pieces is obviously the um, pixelated revolution which he had shown I think 7 years ago at the uh, Documenta 13. So Rabia maybe you can also add some of your ideas about what what artistical interventions mean for you in a previous conversation you said for me the intervention is how can you deconstruct a discourse and come out with questions that was your your vision of intervention and maybe you can add some more remarks to that. Okay thank you so much Wolfgang and my point is that I'm saying this from the point of view of an artist not from the point of view of an activist, which is completely different. So this is why like whenever I deal with war images or any kind of images or discourses, I try to avoid being judgmental. Although like my political position, I don't hide it. It's, it's very clear. It's there, but I go for other things like to ask questions on the image itself, on myself, to question my beliefs, my concerns, put questions. In this sense, I'm dealing with these images and I want also to start from uh, your remark on Fred's intervention which was about Bogarib images that why actually this image this photo that you mentioned where the soldiers making the thumb like this and they were like killed and actually they did not investigate the killed Iraqis there but actually they were like taking the case of the two soldiers and it's one of the readings that is very interesting is that these photos from Bougarib that we have seen all and some of them become iconic like the hooded man is that they actually don't give us an evidence from the crime scene so it's not about the crime scene actually the photo It is the crime by itself. And this is why actually uh, they were not interested in the people killed. They were interested of the taking of the photos. And this is the issue. And I would, like to go further with these videos. That when I started researching on the videos posted by the Syrian protesters in the first year of the Syrian revolution, like in 2011, 2012, uh, where it was like a peaceful revolution, where actually Syrian protesters uh, discovered that they did not have weapons at that time and it was peaceful. And the only weapon was actually the mobile phone and to take photos and to show the whole world what is happening to them. Although we all know what was happening there, but actually we didn't want to know or we, we prefer not to know or whatever reason. But they were insisting on this. And the regime, soldiers and thugs of the regime, they knew that the whole world knew about their crimes or what they are doing, that they are repressing by force and by weapons, the revolution. But actually, they wanted to kill the image. So they were like really pointing their guns, their rifles towards the mobile phones, the smartphones that were trying to capture them. So they were interested in killing the images. And this was one of the starting points of my work on what I call pixelated revolution, where there were, like, a lot of videos on the net where they were showing someone from the regime hiding, and then he found the lens or the man who is the protester who is trying to record him, and then he shoot. Okay, so this is this is one of the videos, I'm showing it to you now, and it's in purpose that I wanted to show it as still photos. I, I exerted the whole photos, images, and put them like this is maybe four frames taken one of the other. So it shows that there is like a shaky images, then the one who is shooting with the smartphone found the one from the soldier, then this Thugs with the red see him point the rifle and shoot. And then we see actually the mobile phone falling to the ground. And we could notice that actually he was shot or the mobile phone fall to the ground. We don't know. And this is actually here also frame by frame. You can see here the thug, the the soldier from the regime. The the camera is very shaky, And then here there is an eye contact with the lens with, actually, with a protester, with the cameraman. And uh, and this eye contact, it's going directly to us as spectators, as viewers. So it goes from him to the lens, to the man behind the camera, and then to us, because we are watching it. And then he points the rifle and he shoots. And then there is nothing, just a blurred image, maybe it's on the ceiling. And we don't know. Is he dead? We don't know because obviously the victim is off camera. And this is actually what is uh, very special in these uh, videos where actually the violence and the blood and the corpse uh, and the victim is all the time off camera. So we don't see the violence We don't see blood. We don't see anything. Our imagination generates the violence. And this is why they are really very, very harsh on us. Like, you cannot bear it, honestly. And this is why, actually, I show it to you frame by frame, because I want to avoid this feeling to shock maybe some of you already seen them on the net. So actually, I was interested in this eye contact, but also interested also in these images, because in these videos, if you take the sound out, as I did now, you don't really understand a lot. You have to really watch very, very carefully in order to understand. The sound here is very essential, and it gives... Immediately, the impact of the images, of the videos, and here I would like just to give a concrete example of this idea, which comes from 1973 from uh, Santiago in Chile, where the first coup d'état happened against Allende, and it was failed. But at that time, uh, in this first. Attempt of coup d'etat, there was a journalist from Argentina covering, and he was shot, his name Leonardo Henriksen, and he was killed. And it was almost in the same uh, case. There was also an eye contact between him and the killers with the soldiers. And the camera was 16 millimeter film, and it was without sound. And it was uh, found and sent to the national TV. And there were two guys who developed the the images and they were shocked. And they decided to distribute it, to send it to everywhere in the world to tell the the people what was happening there. But before they sent this film, they thought that it it didn't have this impact if we send it as it is originally. So they decided to add the sound, in order to give it this boost, this uh, impact. And they, they added actually just the bullets and a little bit of ambience, but mainly the bullets to make it easier actually for all of us and the whole world to understand it. So this is actually what was interesting and what I was starting to investigate and to research. Okay, so one remark of these videos from the Syrian protesters was the face of the killer. It's always blurred, and I tried to blow it up, and actually you cannot see anything. It's just nothing. Black, or like there's no face. And it is as if, like, uh, those killers hide behind a collective identity, which is the, uh, the identity of the regime, the thugs. So my point was, like, how can I know the identity of the killer, the, the personal identity of the killer, not the regime only? This person, because I have an experience during the civil war in Lebanon, where after uh, 15 years of, of killing... Those killers were guaranteed an amnesty, a kind of an amnesty. And actually, they were, like, free, walking, living among us, anonymous, or, like, we don't know who are those killers. We don't know the face. And this is, was a big issue. Like, you don't know who is the perpetrator and who is the victim. Like, you know the victims, but you don't know the perpetrator, and the perpetrator is free. So this was my point, how to bring the victim uh, to the perpetrator and to know his identity. I did this reenactment afterward and I thought about the victim as well in these videos because the victim is always also off camera. How also to bring the face of the victim inside the image. And my point is how we can read the photos and the videos without trying to go out or to imagine the off-camera, not to reconstruct the off-camera. We have these images. How we can try to read these images? And this is one of the reasons why I tried to make them frame by frame in order to make them as a text to read the image, not to see the image. And I thought, how can I bring more from the image itself. And I have this idea, maybe it's a stupid idea, but but still it's a fascinating idea for me, is how to bring the victim from these images. If you see there is this eye contact between both of them, and then there is the reflection of the other in the other eyes. So you can see the reflection of the other person in the eye. And if you go also inside, blow up the eye of the victim, then you will see also the killer inside the victim's eyes. And if you go also, blow up the eye of the killer, then you will see the eye, the victim inside it. And so on so forth. So it's like a kind of a, a loop, but it's not a loop, actually, it's a Mizuna beam. And the only way to stop this loop is to cut the eye contact between the two, and to cut this eye contact for those people is to shoot in order to kill. So this is how it ends. So you have to make a rupture... Uh, in order to get off it. Also, in order to cut this loop or this Mizunapim, uh, maybe you have to run away from uh, the gun of the thugs. This is also related to the same videos where I tried also to slow down the video and to make it actually to read it. So it's a flip book, and I kept the sound as it is. There is a speaker where you can press the button, and there is like uh, the timing, uh, like it says, for example, 18 seconds of this video, three three, two, one, zero, and start to flip, match flipping the flipbook uh, with the sound in order to watch this video, which actually, this is the impossibility, and actually to, to say that there is an impossibility to know what is going on there, even if we see these photos and these videos on the net. But there is something else going on there, and there is an impossibility to know exactly what's going on there. And by showing these videos, by watching these videos, because there is this eye contact that I, I showed you, which comes from the killer to the mobile phone, to the victim, then to us as viewers, then we will be immediately involved and implicated it's not a profile or like an oblique way of watching, it's a direct way and this is actually make us witnesses and we cannot anymore run away from this when you flip the book you immediately have ink on your uh, hands and you cannot get rid from this thing and this is what happened with the table as you see it's started white, then it becomes like a statement where all the people, because they became engaged and witness, they put their fingerprints on the table as if like, yes, we are witnesses now. And even more, it becomes like also a way to to write graffiti on the table itself. And also I did another work based on this, which is actually based on the idea how to involve ourselves physically with these uh, videos. So in order to generate these videos, I I did this flipbook on a big scale, and it was uh, spread in a corridor, uh, which is like uh, 45 uh, meters. And actually, in order to see the video, you have to run and look at these photos, And then your movement will make the photos as in cinema become like moving images. So it's like in cinema, but instead of the machine that makes these uh, still photos look as in motion, uh, photos that it's the body that have to run and make them in motion. Okay, uh, maybe I stop here or...
0: You just heard an episode of Framing Human Rights. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, register for our newsletter and stay up to date with ECCHR's work. You can also support us by donating online at ecchr.eu.